With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. People who are stuck in a corporate environment have a certain mindset, and I'll and I'll be very... But they don't I'll, have to be. Like, they, they don't have be. to be, but I'll push them, and they're like, Steve, I'm miserable. You don't understand. I'm like, I, I kind of do know. Well, I like to say, like, again, if you put a plant in a jar, it's going to take the shape of a jar. If you put in a room, maybe it takes the shape of the whole room, and it blooms even more than you'd ever like it to bloom. Well, well and again, yeah. if you're if you're an employee, A, there's so many things you could gain being an employee. Yes. But you also, you might not be an employee at the right place. Like, I had to, if I wasn't, if I had taken a job at J.P. Morgan, that would not have been good for me. I would have been stuck yeah. forever being like an IT guy somewhere. I, w- I would have gone crazy. Yeah. So money is not the key, particularly when you're young and don't have as many responsibilities. The key is being able to, uh, uh, you know, set all, set your environment up so that you're, you're, you're a yeah. plant in the room instead of a plant yeah. in the jar. Uh, Steve, what are you doing on your phone? Oh. <laughs> We're doing a podcast here. You can I know exactly. You know, multitasking does not, it actually does not work. Have you ever found multitasking to actually work? Um, no, actually it doesn't. Um, no, I'm saying this as I'm juggling right now and I'm not doing either one well. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my like statistical. First off, the brain is structured like, it's almost like a computer, right. as, as our guest Sam Harris pointed out. To yes. us today. But it's like a single processor computer. You can really only do, you can really only focus on one thing at a time, and any interruption will decrease performance of everything that you're, you're, you're trying to do something. And, and my, my statistical evidence is if I am playing chess online and then I get a phone call and I still keep playing chess, I immediately, you know, chess is all ranked statistically. I immediately, my performance is about two standard deviations lower. Wow. Meaning that the me uh, playing chess while on the phone should lose to the me not playing chess, not, not on the phone, about three out of four times. Well, I have two things to say to that. One, if we were computers, I would be the Univac and you would be the MacBook Air or Dell. MacBook Air? What? I'm, I the, mean, I'm the NVIDIA G, G280X. Okay, my, speaks to my point gaming, exactly. Uh, I can't even, my brain is so slow, I can't even think of the most up-to-date computer. That's the chip that determines it. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, see, again. Um, and um, no, I could see that, which also brings me to the point about chess where, 
uh, Gary Kasparov said that, um, what did he say? Which he said this on Jordan Harbinger's pro- podcast about your chess ability, which I thought was a diss, but is actually a compliment. Well, it could have been either way, but uh, he said that computers are better than him the way he is better than me, which is a fair right. assessment. The computers are like massively, computers should be, when, when on our podcast, Gary said uh, computers can beat Magnus Carlsen like nine right. and a half out of 10 games. Right, wow. And that's if Magnus Carlsen is specifically trying for a draw in the 10th game, he might be able to get a draw. Wow. As opposed to trying for a win. So it's a little easier to try for a draw. So so if he was trying for a draw every game, he might be able to draw one out of 10 and lose the rest. I feel like that's like Wally Green versus me and Ping Pong versus me and Jay and Ping Pong. Look, I'm, I'm you know, multitasking. My see, phone was ringing. Like Wally Green <laughs> would be me nine and a half out of 10 times, even with his phone, and I would be Jay... Like no, no, Wally Green would beat you 10 out of 10 times, even if he was Where playing you, with Wally? a brick Come back, Wally. on ping pong. <laughs> Wally's been on the podcast. He's also yes. been in North Korea and did not get killed doing it. Playing, He played ping pong there. But uh, You all saw me play Jay in um, in Baltimore, and it was a massacre. Oh, no oh, offense, ping Jay. Pong, right. uh, so, so Sorry to insult you, Jay. I, I tweeted out on Twitter for everybody to ask me questions. There's a lot of great questions that people ask me, which we'll answer. But uh, we're going to be playing around with this format where, you know, once a week, Steve and I are just hanging out, answering questions and uh, talking about some fun things. But before I answer the questions, I got that email again today from Google, which says, it's from Google Maps. And the email specifically says, um, uh, hey, uh, Look back at here's your February in review. Look back on the pe- past month and reminisce about recent trips and past places. And then it shows the map, the Google Maps, everywhere I've well, been. It's it a little seems, creepy. It seems to me, though, like you must be one of their easiest customers because other than the trip to California, everywhere you go is within a block radius. Well, yeah, because then, then, then you can open it up and you can click on a day. Wow. And like literally, so I clicked on a random day. I clicked on Friday, January 25th. And literally all of my movements are within one block. So here, so basically at 8, 4, and it tells you everything. At 8.14 a.m., I um, walked 0.1 miles. See, uh, don't point the finger, point the thumb. Worry about yourself. You're the one on the phone. You're multitasking. doing that. My ringtone is, is, oh, it was just vibrating. Okay. Okay. I'm just throwing this phone away. Um, So January 25th, uh, at 8, if it was a Friday, this was my day. Apparently, I walked. I walked zero point one miles Yeesh. to Irving Farm, the cafe, uh, and then I was there from eight sixteen a.m. to twelve thirty five p.m. Wow! <laughs> sitting at this cafe. Then I walked the three hundred seventy four feet to home. Wow! And then um, I guess I was home until the next event, which is at seven forty two p.m. I walked. To Burke and Wills, which is the restaurant right next to Irving Farm <laughs> Cafe, so also zero point one miles. And at nine eleven p.m., I walked home. That was my entire day on January twenty fifth. So I and apparently during the month I walked about ten miles for the whole month, but that's probably because I was in London and L.A., which there was a lot more walking. Yeah, I walked a little more than I usually do, but ten miles is only like what? Like I had divided by thirty days, so ten miles is about uh, what is it, fifty thousand feet? So divided by thirty days. Uh, yeah. So I, lo- I walked about, uh, like it's like it's like fifteen hundred feet way. a day, sixteen hundred feet a day. If you're supposed to, I do- walk basically. It's like it's like walking back and forth on my block twice. You are every very day. well. First of all, there's a lot of 
things that you can unpack with that. I mean, you're not even worried about the invasion of privacy. You're worried about what it reveals about you. Yeah, about I'm, how I'm you a don't... lazy sack of shit. <laughs> well, you sp- I mean, like I try and walk like five miles a day at least, which I mean, which is more than ten thousand steps. So, meaning if you're supposed to walk ten thousand steps at five miles, you are like... you need to walk like 140 miles more a month than you already have. Well, five um, miles is is what that's. That's like you know twenty six thousand feet, right? So how many how many feet is in a step? I think like uh, three. Um, no, that's a good question. Um, Can we Google it? Yes, but I feel like if five hundred twenty two eighty feet is in a mile, right? Or is, and then so I don't. Yeah, yeah, it's two, five yeah, miles. So like I feel seven. like. Oh no, yeah, yeah. So uh, an average stride length is two point two feet. Or, yeah. So let's just or or but for uh no two sorry two and a half feet for men let's just say it's three feet so uh oh no let's just say two and two and a half feet so that's about that's, that's to about, bottom line it you're not really exercising <laughs> yeah you're right that's about ten thousand steps that you yeah, five miles exactly so uh uh yes I am not I am not exercising but I did I was in according to the Google Maps here for the the past month I was in London New York. And LA, so I did travel halfway around the world during the month, but yeah, by plane, by plane, <laughs> but like no, but I walk I, a lot on that plane. Yeah, I go to the bathroom a lot. Exactly, but and then you want to yeah, not get dehydrated. It's a big on band the plane. to Parliament, <laughs> Trafalgar Square. No, but what I was gonna say, like, I don't, I don't get those same emails from Google. Yeah, you so know? I wonder, so, like, Sergei, I'm not, like you when know, I, uh, why I've aren't asked, you emailing me? I feel slighted. I've asked a lot of people. I'm the only one who gets this email, and yeah, I don't, I don't think why. I signed up for it or signed anything. And it's coming from Google Maps. And by the way, here's what's interesting: they also know they've identified my home as home. Yeah. So I think they must get part of their data from Uber. Oh, it's, like, oh yeah. How, how would they know that address is my home? I don't, I've only listed it as home with Uber. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't really use that many apps. I use Google Maps and. Well, it's, in, it. it's interesting because this is also a conversation you should have with uh, Roger McNamee, who's going to be coming back. But, you know, his whole book was about the invasiveness of uh, Facebook. And I feel like it's all those companies. But this is not necessarily a, a bet. Like, here's the thing, too. What's the pros and cons of this? So the cons, obviously, you, you don't know, walk if, if they can predict my behavior... <laughs> Well, but I don't know. Maybe yeah. Irving Farm can call you. Hey, we haven't seen yeah. you lately. Here's a here's a twenty percent discount uh, if you come again. Yeah. So it's not so bad for me to let my privacy go to sure. people who might benefit from the relationship with me, and then they want to continue that, even if it's a business relationship. And it's bad other, for Jesse Smollett because um, <laughs> is that he had they, those Nigerian brothers, and they found him from Uber. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. They that his Uber results were her, weird. They're Uber was at that place at two o'clock in the morning on those streets. So that's, that's just how, like Alexa. Everybody says, "Oh, yeah. Alexa's not really listening to you." But yeah. they used Alexa to um, because Alexa is all the time listening to you. They yeah. use Alexa in a court case to solve a murder. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but the other thing is, I kind of like the fact that, huh? You know, I maybe should be a little more active. Sure, sure. And, but the other thing is, there is a reason why I was in a cafe for five straight hours, which is. I write until I write every morning until I don't write until I have something written. So it took me five hours to write that day, and then I went home and rested and did yeah. business <laughs> calls probably and were read for preparing for a podcast. And then I went out to dinner. It was a and fr- you, a you, night. you a lot of times like to go to a uh, 
a cafe, like or a, to, to a write, yeah, yeah. You really do, yeah. Because I remember uh, other people have talked about that. Like different people have different process, but you don't mind. No, sometimes it's actually less distracting than being at home. Because at home, I have yeah. all my toys. At the yeah. cafe, you can't even get up really. Yeah, you have to just sit. I bring three books always. Wow, and I bring the computer and and i don't really bring the phone and i just i read i read from all three books and then i might write down my list of ideas for the day and then i'll write uh and then i'll sit there until i've written something or until i completely give up so what, what was one of your ideas today walk more than um 0.1 miles a day no uh, my ideas for today were things i think are suck about entrepreneurship. Oh wow! So everyone, everyone, yeah. I, I was on some Facebook group, and this might be related to one of the questions later. So I was on this Facebook group, and everybody was saying things like, you know, "There was somebody asked a question, um, what does entrepreneurship mean to you?" And people were, had these corny answers like um, value, options, freedom, and I just thought this was such bullshit. Like entrepreneurship. When I first started a company, my very first company in the 90s, it was so hard. It wasn't about, of course, of course, it's a little about value because no one's going to pay for something you do unless you're providing value. But it was so much more than value. Like you had to sell somebody because there was plenty of competitors. We were, we were, my business was making websites at a time when there was no websites out there. There was a ton of competitors. So it wasn't just about providing value. It was about providing value and education and which I guess you could argue is value, but also communication. They didn't know what what was happening, so I had to always update them. And then it was dealing with their personalities, which was incredibly difficult. You know, in those types of agency-like businesses, the clients are just usually really annoying. Sorry for all my ex-clients from that time. <laughs> um, and it was also like then man you have to manage employees uh, in in many businesses, not in all businesses. So. Uh, is, you know, at some point, two of your employees are going to start having sex with each other. And that is a drag. You have to deal with the emotional carnage of that, both internally with your other employees and, and with the clients that those employees were dealing with it. That's a drag. And then there was just other things that were just So super what prompted you to talk about the downsides of entrepreneurship? Well, because everybody was saying, oh, it's all about freedom yeah. and having oh, yeah. my own control and having options over my life and being good to others. When that was not my experience of entrepreneurship at all, like it showed me that most people don't really, they have this kind of glorified view of what entrepreneurship is. Like I'm going to quit my job and be an entrepreneur, which is not a bad idea, but you have to kind of know honestly what you're facing. So I kind of wanted to be and, honest about it and for these things. So people who are reading this yeah, thread really know. And in, in your book, um, Choose Yourself, you know, you talk about entrepreneurship, right? I mean, like explain the impetus for writing that because that in some ways well, glorified well, entrepreneurship to a lot of people, right? Yes and no. Because, and then I had to correct that. I wrote another book called The Rich Employee because yeah. you can still choose yourself by being an employee. There's many happy employees out there and employees, if they provide... It actually often is easier to get rich as an employee who rises, yeah. who provides a lot of value and rises up in either the, their company or they they keep getting hired at new you know new companies. And uh, uh, you know, I, I I thought it was really important to just honestly express what uh, entre what what real entrepreneurship is about, and not lifestyle entrepreneurship either. Where you're you know, I talk a lot about you know different strategies for making money just on your own. 
Um, but like real entrepreneurship where you're building a company and there's employees and there's a service or a product you offer, that's like, that's like really, things are going wrong all of the time. Like, and they're, and they're unexpected. Like for instance, I remember with my, with my first business, we had a deal to sell the company and the main obstacle, and you wouldn't expect this, the main obstacle was my landlord. Because when you sell your company, the landlord is gonna have a new tenant. You're no longer right. the tenant, the company buying you is the tenant. Right. And so the landlord has to actually approve of you selling your company. Oh, wow. And he knows what kind of power he has. He knows nothing is really at stake for him, right. but he knows millions of dollars are at stake for you. Wow. And so that was so enormously stressful. Like literally my partner and I, it was like we were gonna have heart attacks every day. Cause the landlord was not only not signing the document, but threatening to kick us out unless we like did this, this, this. And so it was, but you I, know, it's I, a big effort to deal what, with every issue. But I think what this speaks to too is that aphorism, like there's no greater zealot than the recent convert, right? So some of those people are expressing the enthusiasm of people who haven't done it. And I think that's the story they need to tell themselves to glamorize it more to embolden them. Because I, if we looked at all that stuff and said, well, you know, you're going to do this, that, the other, you know, you do have to just kind of I mean, dive in. But and, even, even like day one, so so yeah. day one, I, I the business had already started and I was already running it on the side, but I had my full-time job for like a year and a half. Finally quit my full-time job because it looked like we'd have enough clients to be, be really big and successful. Get to work that first day where I'm full-time. I've quit my great job at HBO and was working out full-time at my company. It's called Reset. And the first phone call I make was to our new biggest client, the, the intermediary. And the intermediary is like, oh, no, no, I didn't mean it. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. they're not, don't, don't worry about them. They're very bad. <laughs> you don't want them as a client. And I was like, Steve, his name was Steve. Steve, I just quit my job wow. because you told me this. You said it was definite. And he's like, no, no, I never said that. Wow. And he did. He was just right. a creepy guy. And um, I remember I, I went out to lunch a little while later and I was like crying at lunch. Like, what did I just do? And so from the very first day for the next 15 years of my entrepreneurial <laughs> life was just, I don't want to say it was miserable. It was, it's really, really hard. Like, yes, you're, you're not, you can't even say you're own, you're your own boss because you have to manage employees, which means to some extent the employees are your boss a little bit, and you have to manage your clients are certainly your boss. Particularly in a we were yeah. like a B to B, but we were selling to other businesses, not consumers. Um, your partners, you have to make sure they're good. Potential investors, you have to make sure all the time they're good. I mean, there was so many times, so many Fridays, and it's interesting that it was always Friday. It, there was no, it wasn't like random chance. Friday at like 4.50 p.m., somebody would leave a voicemail message for me, uh, like a client, James, uh, please call me back, really important, really upset. And then I'd get the message at like 5.01, wow. I'd call them back right away, oh no, my second biggest client is really upset. Oh, 5.01 p.m., they're at a corporate job, they're gone wow. for the weekend, there's no way to get a hold of them. And I have to all weekend long, I'm thinking, oh, are we going out of business? Am I going to have to fire employees until Monday morning? They're like, right, can you fix this comma on the website? It should be a period. And But having been on the other side of the mm -hmm. fence, now I will say wherever you go, you take yourself with you. You know, when I read your, again, great book, Choose Yourself. Um, if you want to buy one, listeners, <laughs> call me. I'll sell it I, to you. 
Um, but I, you know, I when you work and I worked in television for a long time, and I recall, you know, you talk about choosing yourself, and I didn't always feel like I could choose myself. Correct. You know, I'd come in at six in the morning. You know, I wouldn't get a lot of sleep. I would have been very much reactive to the news of the day. You know, today right, so I think about it all the time. Like if I were there today, we would I would have been pursuing people about Luke Perry or something with AOS, you know, rest in peace, you know, to him. But, you know, any of the urgent news stories that were happening and I would have felt like I didn't have as much control. I would have been around people I might not have wanted right. to be around. So, so, so let's define freedom for a second as the the amount the percentage of your decisions every day that are yours that you fully uh, are kind of signed up for as opposed to decisions that are made for you that you don't like so if you yeah. have a boss the boss might say to you steve get on yeah. this luke perry thing and you might yeah. think oh six in the morning i don't who am i gonna call right. so you might so so and let's say if 80% of your day decisions are yours, that might be a good example of a day of freedom. Yes. And, uh, but then you have to just have to decide, well, how can I structure my work accordingly? Now, when you're young, you might not be able to, but as you get yeah. more and more experienced and more and more of an expert at your job, then you have more and more freedom. Like I bet you your yeah. job as a TV producer three years ago yeah. was better than 20 years ago. Yeah. So you probably have more freedom. Now, now the other thing is you can also, you know, you, you choose the industry you're going to be in. Sure. When you work in TV, the news, you, there's only yeah. three or four local stations for news. Yeah. So you're very limited as to your choices. So your goal when you're choosing yourself is to increase the your supply, your, diversify yeah, the supply of your choices so so there's more demand for you. And let's and, broaden it out for other people listening in any industry, right? So in any industry, if you're an accountant, if you don't just have to work for the big five or you're a lawyer, right? right. Or, yeah. or, or like if you're a lawyer, const, constantly try to learn. So maybe you can jump to your own practice or maybe a smaller, more nimble uh, law firm yeah. with big clients that you like and and can get along with. So as you get older and as you get getting get better and better at providing value, whether you're an yeah. entrepreneur or an employee, you'll have more and more choices because people people realize you have value. So your your de yeah. demand for you goes up, and demand for you was probably very high. Yeah, and which is you know why I'm here. Yeah. Hallelujah. The words and, uh, of James Taylor. That's why and I'm you, here. And you did move into yeah. an industry where you had more freedom and more yeah, and, 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 and diversity choices. I kill myself tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, so, this has been a great I, experience. I, Hopefully, we'll continue. I think I think choosing yourself could be like 70 percent entrepreneurship. But there's different types of entrepreneurship too. There's starting a company with lots of employees, or there's looking every day on. Uh, I don't know Alibaba and yeah. seeing what you know cheap marshmallow sticks and selling them on Amazon for ten times as much. Which which one of the people I interviewed uh, for one of my newsletters made yeah. over a million dollars doing that exact thing. Amazing. So so that's entrepreneurship as well. There's different kinds of entrepreneurship, uh, you know. But I don't think I think people were were kind of ignore. I just saw through this thread on Facebook. People were just ignoring all the problems of entrepreneurship. And you can't be successful if you're only looking yeah, towards the sun. You it, have to look towards the night as well. It brings to mind, you know, Ben Horowitz wrote a great book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And he talks about all the struggles he had into becoming, you know, the huge powerhouse he right, is. Right, right. And he had 
I read that book. It was a great book. He had every advantage also. He was building yeah. his company during the internet boom. And to be fair to he had him, some wind at his back. He, yeah. yeah, so he had wind at the, his back when he was starting the company. So he was able to raise an enormous amount of money. Now, to be fair, he then the internet bust then happened. And he was that was a big part of the struggle is that people stopped, you know, he had to pivot several times, but he had raised a lot of money in an yeah. IPO and, and from from venture capital capital funds. So he was able to though that then when he had the hard moments, he had cash to kind of uh, he had the insight to sort of tread yeah. water a little bit while he pivoted and then eventually sold the company. So he, he it's good he started off at the right time and then he did the yeah. he made the right decisions along the way. But that was a good example of the enormous stress that he had because he had investors, shareholders, clients who were bailing on him, employees who were bailing on him and who were depressed. Uh he was depressed. He had lost an enormous amount of yeah. money. So uh but that was a good example of even when the wind is at yeah. your back and everything is going for you, and he had already made money yeah. previously doing other things. So he had everything going for him, and it's still incredibly difficult. So I'm not saying don't be an entrepreneur. When I when I made this list, and the, and the list included other things, um, I'll just or I mentioned the clients calling at 5 p.m. Uh, uh, Fraternizing among clients. I mean, among employees. Uh, I me I mentioned kind of you know the constant. It's 24 hours that you're feeling fear. Yeah. Because when you're an employee, you leave your work at the office. When you're an entrepreneur, there's no there's no distinguishing yeah. between the office and home. The 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 business is in your head, so you're always you're always carrying it with you. Uh, and you know, I'm, I don't regret being an entrepreneur, it kind of, it kind of hardened me. It's like, it's like the, what are you, the fire that yeah. sharpens a sword or whatever, however you sharpen a sword. I don't know. Yeah, for but, sure. But, uh, I just wanted to kind of not delude the people on this thread that it's all fun and games and, and it's all about freedom and, and then eventual riches and money and happiness because otherwise everybody would do it and everyone would succeed at it. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And to your point, choosing yourself often is about entrepreneurship but you can also do it as an employee. I, when I was an employee, my title was junior programmer analyst in the IT department at HBO. Did that stop me from doing anything? No, I shot a TV pilot that HBO's yeah. documentaries paid for. I was in charge of HBO's website and, and then that let me do all these web, I pitched them this idea of doing web shows. I was producing all these web yeah. shows. So I still made of it what I could given my title, my lowly yeah. title and the initial responsibilities I had, which I ignored to do these other things and got, and I chose myself to do these other things. I, I went to HBO to pitch TV shows and I pitched TV shows, even though I got in through the back door, which was the IT department. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's very true. I think a lot of life obviously is how you choose to view it, obviously, right? I mean, it's kind of like, don't wish it were, don't wish you were easier, wish you were better, you know, and you have to kind of deal with it. But yes, I think there's a way that every single person has to view what they're doing. Wait, what was that? It. I'm going to write down your question. Oh. Don't, wish it, don't wish it were easy. Wish don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. You know, I think that's definitely very important. And I'll tell people that, you know, I... You know, you, also, I, I, sorry to yeah, interrupt. No, I always no. interrupt. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing is too, there's always, I, this just reminded me of it. There's yeah. always a back door to what you really want to do in yeah. life. So so this is why it doesn't necessarily matter entrepreneurship versus employee. There's always a back door. Like I wanted to eventually do more creative things, but I didn't know how to break into that, but I was already a good software guy. So I figured the back door is to be a software guy at an entertainment company. Right. And and by the way, JP Morgan 
also offered me a job at the same time. They offered me double my salary yeah. at HBO. So HBO offered me, I was making $27,600 wow. a year in Pittsburgh. HBO offered me 40,000. Then JP Morgan offered me 80. Wow. And I turned JP Morgan down to work at HBO because I was serious about my freedom and how I wanted it and how I loved entertainment and storytelling and so on. And by the way, I loved HBO. Yeah. They were, at the time, they had the Larry Sanders show, Dream On, many other good shows. It, it wasn't TV, it was HBO. It was, yeah. Well, no, actually, that that <laughs> saying didn't start for another year. Oh, James is the one who came up with it. No, no, but I was, I, I remember Eric Kessler, who was the head of HBO marketing, did a presentation. He stole it from me when I was at lunch. <laughs> no, no, but I, I remember, and this, is, this is also very important yeah. for being the rich employee, yeah. is that I did most of my friends in the IT department, they never left the IT department. They didn't even know, they didn't watch any HBO shows. That doesn't I, defy the stereotype. The, <laughs> Playing Dungeons and Dragons. Well, well, no, they would play Doom all the time, which oh, was see, a shoot em up game enough. at the time. <laughs> Jay remembers Doom, right? Yes. Yep. So, and now, now the equivalent would be Fortnite or, or yeah. something like that. Jay but, knows all about that. But I was, I was the only guy who would constantly... We were even in a separate building. We were in the Grace building right next to the HBO building. We're the Yeesh. only department in a separate building. And I was all the time going into the HBO building. There was always, they would, and so one time they announced a seminar. Eric Kessler, who was head of marketing at HBO, was going to give a seminar how they came up with it's not TV, it's not TV, it's wow. HBO, because they had just released it. And I would go to things like that just to learn why he did that, what they looked at, you know, how they studied it. And so I was immersing myself not just in IT for HBO, but in the whole industry. I, I actually felt the same way when I started at, I started at WCBS Radio, and I did. It was definitely empowering to me to look at it like I was a graduate student. You yeah, know? that's and, a good way to look at it. And I remember like John Wooden, who I've cited often, but he always felt like I see myself as a teacher rather than a boss because it's empowering. And you feel better when you're in a situation of learning. And when I was at CBS, I definitely... You know, I worked in the polling department. I worked at WCBS Radio. I worked at CBS Sports. And you did have a lot of opportunity. If you really wanted to go after it, you know, you could. And I definitely knew everybody all around CBS. I got to meet people. And this was when I was just starting. And, you know, so I definitely think it informed me. And I think it was healthier to look at it that way. You know, at that point in my life, I was in my 20s. And I looked at it like, oh, I might be in graduate school like some other people. And I felt... I remember resenting a lot of people the same way I probably do now all these years later because, you know, they would be talking to their friends and they felt like it gave them status, like, oh, I'm at CBS or whatever. And I felt like, you're not Edward R. Murrow. You're just here and you're not really killing it, you know, the same way now, you know, influenced perhaps by Choose Yourself when I see a lot of these people and you see people where we're supposed to feel like, Oh, you work at J.P. Morgan. You work at Goldman Sachs. You work at William Morris. You work at all these McKinsey, and I think it confers some degree of there's a brand there. But I also feel, and this is what I think you and I can realize. It's like I've heard that expression: like people are either tractors or trailers, right? So people are either like being pulled by other people, or they're the ones pulling. And I've always tried to be the kind of person to, you know, be a change maker, be an influencer, and be somebody. Okay, I'm going to come wherever I go. I'm going to make a difference, and we all should aspire to be that way. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life 
so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I loved, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of Entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use 
Hims. Hims, H I M S, Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely gonna use Hims from now Not on. Not that you need it. You're you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at Hims. Dot com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hims.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hims.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. You can't just decide I'm going to be the the tractor. Yeah. Uh, you have you have to you you have to do things like you know yeah. know, know the industry you're in. Yeah. So so I could tell you nobody in the IT department with me really understood the entertainment industry. They, they understood software, but they didn't understand the entertainment industry. Nobody understood, nobody knew who the other executives were. So I would study their biographies, like uh, the head of sales yeah. at HBO. I read how in 1982, like 13 years earlier, 12 years earlier, he had gone door to door in Mississippi oh, wow. after, I think it was after Showtime launched. Uh, wow. I'm remembering this now from yeah. 25 years ago, but I, uh, Showtime launched in, in Mississippi HBO wanted to compete, of course, so he was door-to-door, -door, and what they did was HBO spun off another channel, Cinemax, so now they could sell two things versus the guy going door-to-door -door oh, for wow. Showtime wow. who was just selling Showtime. Oh, wow. And it was this guy, the guy who I had read about was John Billick, who eventually became, for a while, I think he was the CEO of HBO, but when I was there, he was the, the head of sales and very smart guy, but I was studying a biography of each Person, because I wanted to, I wanted my career at the time more to emulate sure. theirs than, than an IT guy, because I was not really interested in IT. The other, the other point I want to, oh, and then you know, the other thing I would do is again, I couldn't. It wasn't so easy for me to just pitch TV shows, but since I was in, since I pitched, I had to have a vision uh, that was interesting to HBO. So this is the real way you be a tractor is once I understood the lay of the land with the entertainment industry, there was this brand new thing that they didn't know about called the internet. I had to pitch to them what it meant for yeah. HBO. So now suddenly I created a, a, a space within HBO that I could fill. I became in charge of all of their internet strategies. So, and that's when I was able to do web shows, which caught the notice of the TV side, which became, you know, I was trying to make it TV shows, but... You know, it was, and then finally, the other thing was, is that because we were doing the websites for all of their shows, I had this amazing opportunity. I got to meet the creators of all these shows. So, for instance, Spawn was an yeah. animated cartoon on HBO. I met Todd McFarlane, and he had created uh, what was it, Jay Image Comics? Uh, yeah, 
Yes. Well, Spawn was the was the cartoon uh, on HBO, and and actually at the same time, New Line was doing a movie, and we my company did the website for that and the website for the HBO cartoon. But um, then I met Todd McFarlane, and he had such kind of presence and power because he had this whole vision about yeah. these superheroes and he had created this company and he had left Marvel because he wasn't Marvel wasn't letting him choose himself so he chose himself and created his own company and created Spawn and and stole all the best um anim, you know right. drawers at uh you know cartoonists at 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 Marvel and I thought I want to be like that guy so because I got more exposure to the entertainment yeah. side through this back door it gave me a better sense of what I wanted to do in many ways. Did I want to do internet? Did I want to do entertainment? Did I want to do some combination? My first company was basically a combination and and so on. But it's, I think what you're speaking of, it's like the same way in it says, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not happiness. Like we all have opportunities. Like, and I That's believe, and I believe that, so like when these people see it, it's not like, oh, it's freedom. You have the ability to be freer than perhaps you would have been. But I think, you know, ability is the poor man's wealth, you know? So like if you, have ability, people are always going to respond to you. And if you could provide value, and today for these young people out there, and every single show and department I see, it's it's people who know social media. You know, usually those gurus aren't seventy five year old people; they're twenty year somethings. But, the but best doesn't people, have to be, by the way. Doesn't no, this have to be young. No, no. But for the most part, you know, it's 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 younger people. No, and I'm not necessarily. You know, we had uh, Chip Conley on, who was terrific. You know, talking about like being an elder and being concurrently, uh, and you know, like an intern with the people at Airbnb after a great career in hotels, and also being a mentor to those people. So I, I think we all have to have that paradoxical kind of knowledge. But I, what I'm saying, it's like when I was at TV recently or anywhere, you see all these young people who come in from college and some of the people who want to adapt. You know, and we all have to adapt. I'm getting, I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm, you know, and doing things I didn't necessarily think I wanted to do. I'll be on Twitter, folks. Uh, get let you know. Uh, James will let you know. But, um, but I think that a lot of these people who come out of college, you see social media coordinators, and they're coming in there. And if you're really good at it, and you could help, let's say you're at Showtime or HBO, and you're that wizard who could connect the dots between Game of Thrones and their subscribers, then you're going to have access to all of those people, like. The better you are, the more opportunities you're going to have. So right. I don't and, think it's an antiquated thing, you know. Right, and it's not so. So to your point, yeah, you know, choosing yourself or or let's just call it being successful and being successfully free. Because, yeah. for instance, if I had ended up at J.P. Morgan or if you would have yeah. stayed in TV, we would have gotten better and better abilities yeah. at their narrow confines that we didn't want, yeah. but it wouldn't necessarily made us feel successful or or free. Sure, um, but. Uh, uh, it's not just, think, yeah. what I was gonna say is, it's not just ability. So for instance, my training was as a software guy, and I, when I went to HBO, I was working in the software department with 200 other software right. guys. So maybe I was as good as the average, or maybe a little better, but you couldn't necessarily say, and you couldn't even measure, is this guy a more successful programmer right. than the other 160 people? Right. Maybe he's a little bit more, but not much. Yeah. And. Uh, I had to then get good at other things, A, understanding the rest of the business, B, understanding the entertainment industry. And then it's often the intersection where you can really, uh, the intersection of your interests and what you pursue that that really defines what you're the best at. So I was probably the best at the intersection yeah. of technology and 
just quote unquote HBO or the entertainment yeah. industry. And there, there's a guy. There's and a your skill stack, like like you, Scott right. Adams said. Yeah. So Scott Adams talks about the skill stack. There's another guy who's very interesting. Um, we haven't really talked about him. Yeah. I would like this guy on the podcast. Uh, uh, but he wrote a book called the The Formula: The Universal Laws of Success. Oh yeah. Uh, Albert Laszlo Barabasi. Nassim okay. Taleb is a quote on the back. Um, and at first I'm reading it, and the, the laws seem kind of obvious, but. He makes this really interesting point, and he, he he uses sports as an example. So maybe you'll you'll get this. Huh. <laughs> he 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 makes the interesting point that performance is bounded, but success is unbounded. So for instance, Usain Bolt, yeah, he's only zero point one seconds better 100%. than his number two. Yeah, I don't, nobody in the world knows his number two. Yeah, everyone knows Usain Bolt, and he probably yeah. makes ten million a year from endorsements, whereas the number two probably makes nothing. And, yeah. and so, so the performance is not, he's not that much better. It's, it's, it's just, but he's more successful. Why? He had as a combination of, uh, persistence. He has, he, he networks, uh, better than everybody. Uh, yeah. pro, you know, he's, he shows up to every Olympics. He, you yeah. know, he, he has this charisma. So there's a lot of components of success where, whereas ability is important, but it's only one of those components. You also have to have persistence and an ability to be in the right places. Like how many artists didn't show in the right galleries and might've been better than the artist that Gagosian was showing. Yeah. But Gagosian was the one who was able to, everybody looked for it to, to say, oh, if, if Jasper Johns is with Gagosian, his paintings are worth millions. Whereas this other guy, I, I don't know, even though he might be better. Well, for sure. No, no, absolutely. And I think that's why you and I have spoken about just focusing on our actions rather than our outcomes that we doing all we can to put ourselves in certain situations. And it's something that, I remember the movie Match Point by Woody Allen talked about that. Like, you know, like what's the difference between the number one tennis player? What kind of bounce do you need to be the, rather than the 150th tennis player? And, you know, speaking of speed, we see that in the NFL combines where they're measuring these people. Oh, I ran a 4.340. And people are like, do you know what the difference is between, like if you are an actual person, it's not that different. There's a perception of it. And that's what you're focusing on. But for sure, I, I think um, there's a lot of, factors that determine success i mean and, a great example from you know we've had t tony hawk on the podcast yeah. now obviously he has huge abilities one yeah. you know the exports you know for for right. x games for for skateboarding like 11 years in a row but what's his real success was leveraging that and and networking accordingly and having the good good business people around him to to you know get a good deal helping electronic arts make yes. you know tony hawk yes. skateboarding games well, look at George Foreman, I believe, you know, uh, Dick Butkus was really offered that grill first and, and George Foreman took it and then he made hundreds of millions of dollars. Maria Sharapova makes a lot more money than Serena Williams off, you know, off the tennis court. And some of it could be people's appeal that Lolo Jones was a person who didn't even make the Olympics and she was very appealing and it happens with a lot of people. And so, yeah, sometimes life isn't fair sometimes it's not just correlated to ability anna kornikova was somebody who was a tennis player wasn't the best tennis player but she had a combination of factors that made her very appealing and not only made her very appealing but then everybody like all the younger girls in her yeah. tennis facility it was like a crappy yeah. tennis facility yeah. you know they all of a sudden realized oh someone from here can be successful. So, yeah. so, so this guy also in the format, he talks about hotbeds of success. Oh, so wow. that facility became a hotbed of success. There were a lot of, you know, yeah. top 100 players. There were zero at first. Then there was Anna yeah. Karnakova. And then yeah. there was 
dozen suddenly. Yes. And, and it's because they, again, it's the networking. Suddenly they were, A, yeah. they were networking with her. They were networking with the right coaches, which attracts better and better talent. Yeah. And, and talent inspires each other. And uh, uh, it also gave them permission to, oh, I could do this too. So their yeah. ability, because performance is bounded and very small differences between the best and number 100, they were able to take that extra tiny microsecond to improve. Interesting. Yeah, and I think I think Dan Coyle talks about that also, and he used the word like ignition, like it's ignition. Say, wow, we can do it too, you know. And you see it, you saw that in 1980 when the U.S. Olympic hockey team won, and it got so much attention. All these Americans the, got more in hockey. And the classic hockey. example is Roger Bannister on the four-minute yeah. mile. As nobody yeah. thought it was physically possible. He does it, and within the next year, what, like a dozen other people yeah. do it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, but all this is to say that ability alone would not have my abilities were in software and i was good at it but not necessarily like unbelievable um but that but that combined with networking so that i can you know get into entrepreneurship and get clients and persistence because entrepreneurship is extremely hard um those things led to more success than my other fellow employees I, at the time. Absolutely. No, and I feel the same way. Like when you're in TV, there were a lot of talented people and there were a lot of talented producers. I wasn't the best tape producer. I was I was definitely a strong booker. I was effective at it. You know, I definitely was had all the qualities that one would need. Like I had a, you know, a lot of content. You know, I was effective at it, but you might only be able to be again, like if you use if you visualize a marathon when there was 25,000 people there, I didn't have the escape velocity to necessarily, you know, and you had to be competitive and collaborative with a lot of people here. So that's interesting yeah. because at, it, it, I, I'm not yeah. gonna criticize your old job. I'm just, yeah. I'm, no, for on, sure. I'm just extrapolating, but um, uh, not only was is performance bounded for you, like, so obviously you're a great booker. You're the, yeah. you're the best booker in the podcast. There's other po great podcasters yeah. I won't name, but but basically every great podcaster out there has used no, your you, services. To, you are the Honda Civic. You sell yourself. But I but, think. But but uh, we always yeah. help people find. We always clients yeah, and I think and I, that was, and by uh, the way, as an aside, it's, I tell everybody this. You know, um, you know that it's not it. I'm I'm really effective because obviously it's a, you know I said this to you even knowing when you didn't know a lot about sports when we started and I said hey we could be like Brady and Belichick do you know who those guys are <laughs> where we can complement each other because for example you know Bill Belichick needs Tom Brady he needs to be able to be able to criticize him in front of everybody he needs to be able to say okay I need you to learn how to do this I need you to get you know and so if I tell you the day before that hey we have a chance to get this great guest and you're prepared. You, you're like, yes, I'll do it. You're not like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm playing Doom with Jay uh, in Fortnite. You know, you're like, I'll do it. I'm excited about yeah, it. Yeah, no, so I mean, so I, that's a, that's why I'm lucky. Like, it could be lost. Like, we're fortunate to be able to do Sonia Sotomayor. And what if you said, no, I don't feel like doing it. You know, there are eight other judges. Let's wait till we get, you know, uh, Kavanaugh or Gorsuch or you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, and also, you know? and and also, where. You know, we fly to LA for podcasts. Yeah. We fly to Europe for podcasts. We fly to yeah Panama for podcasts. But but the other thing is you it's a great move, team. Your brains, my typing ability, <laughs> very funny. Um, but you were at a place where performance yeah. was uh, bounded, like like every place yes, is. 100%. But maybe you moved from a place where success was bounded to a place where success is unbounded. So I'm not saying my podcast success yeah. is unbounded, but now you're in an environment where 
you have many directions yeah. and thing op- yeah. options in front of but you, you directions but you can go. I pay a tribute to you you know and again I don't want this to sound like Pravda or uh, <laughs> Russia today or something but like uh but no I think it's yeah you set a great environment for that for all of us and I'm grateful to that where you create an environment where like okay yeah let's do this or hey and I've had other people I worked with like that you know I remember I liked you know, there was a guy, Steve Friedman, who started the Today Show, and I remember saying to him, hey, do you think we can do this? And he's like, Steve, we could do whatever we want to do. And that's the right way to to get people to think, to think big and to think like a no-limit person. Yeah, I think and, I think it's key. And that's getting back to, I love, and that's something I, I picked up from you. Like the whole idea, you know, I want to tell everybody that it does work. You know, I do, you know, I have a waiter's pad here, <laughs> you know, and... Um, and I do come up with 10 ideas a day and I do have, I do adopt a lot of your daily practices, not in the creepy single white male way, but it works and it definitely works. But, but, but also, uh, you know, what's really important is that it's not just, again, it's not just this podcast. Like, you know, we help other podcasts, potentially that could be opportunities. We help, you're, you're, you're sourcing yep. merchandise for this podcast. So it's <laughs> all these businesses and industries you get it, it more exposed to. What I always find is I've had a lot of either mentors or bosses or whatever in the past 30 years. The worst ones always want to, they're smart and there's something to learn from them, but but they always want to clamp down yeah. on, they want to put a ceiling on any success I have because you can't be more successful than them. Whenever I had an employee at a business um, I'm thinking in particular of my, my first businesses, my goal for the employees was for them to eventually start their own businesses yeah. and pass me. Because then if you have employees that you're constantly trying to get them to pass you, you're going to have a great business because yeah. then and you, your you services actually are thought needed that less then and less. It's not revisionist because I'm going to bring up two things. No, no, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you yeah. why I thought that then. Because I remember when four of my employees defected oh, and wow. took some clients with them and they started their own business uh, my business partner was flipping out. Like he hated them. He wa- he was saying, I want to, you know, I want to harm them. I want to wow. destroy their business. He's now in jail. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, no, let them, let them do it. And I run into You felt them. that way even then? Yeah. And Why? Because if they don't want to be here, sayonara. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, they were great. We 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 benefited a lot from them. They were they, they were our best employees actually, and we benefited a huge amount from having them around for the prior few years. We, we had already sold our company by then, but we were still yeah. running it for the company that bought us. So I had no. I wanted them to be super successful, and I went ran into one of them, the main guy, twenty years later or twenty five years later. No, no, no sorry, uh, fifteen years later, and. He said to me, whenever I'm, he's got like a hundred employees now at his business. He, he didn't sell it. He stuck with it. And it's a, it's a huge business now. He says, whenever I walk among the floor with my employees, I think of two people, my uh, commander in the Mossad. Oh, wow. And because uh, he was uh, from Israel and uh, and you, because I was his first boss wow. in, the, in the city. So, you know, it never, it never, and now of course, I don't care from t- 20 years later that he did this. I more care that I was, that I helped him and I was uh, an inspiration yeah. to him. Well, I feel like you're not going to be able to control people, but I but I remember one of my favorite interviews when we had Ken Langone and, you know, I was impressed by how he took a lot of pride in the success of like his assistant and he gave her a lot of attention or his driver and that they have a home in, 
you know, a summer home and that they did financially well, or all those people who started in the mailroom or whatever at Home Depot and there were 3,000 millionaires. And I said, Ken, remember we said, Ken, you know, this is odd because a lot of people don't praise, they're afraid, they're reluctant to praise somebody else because they're afraid they're not going to get the credit or they want the credit or they're afraid they're going to ask for a raise or whatever myriad reasons they don't have, they have to not want to acknowledge somebody. And he goes, Steve, those people are sick. But I find those people, unfortunately, are more the exception rather than the rule. Like not everybody is as yeah. enlightened as you or Ken well, well, are. And let's, let's say, and yeah, and Ken said specifically, uh, I'm not, you know, everyone was calling him a self-made billionaire. He said, I'm not self-made at all. I had this, this, I had, you know, 8,000 people helping me. I had my whole bank helping yeah. me. I had my, everybody at Home Depot helping me and particularly and yeah. named the top managers and gave them all the credit. Yeah. Um, but think about it from two sides. If you're the entrepreneur, you don't need credit. You want your employees to feel yeah. good and motivated and you want your clients to feel good yeah. and motivated. Like your clients are trying to protect their jobs too. So you right. want them to have all the credit. You don't want yeah. to take all the credit because what are you trying to do? Get your client's job? Like you want your client yeah. to be promoted and promoted and promoted so that he keeps hiring you from higher and higher positions with bigger yeah. and bigger budgets. Yeah. So if you're an entrepreneur, you should never want credit. And if you're an employee, this is this was always the big thing. Um, everybody warned me at when I started yeah. the job at HBO, people come up to me and say, hey, just so you know, your boss is notorious for taking credit oh, wow. from his employees. And so I took that information and I did something with it. I always proactively gave him credit so he wouldn't have to take it. Oh, wow. So, and he would get promoted and promoted and promoted, which gave me more and more freedom to do what I wanted to do. And people don't realize- And it disarms he, him from feeling like he needs to do it. Yeah, the yeah. one time, in fact, the one time he Horse, felt- her. I, the, <laughs> the one time he felt I didn't give him credit, he was he was like upset for, I almost got demoted. He was upset for like a month at me. Wow. So, so I very strategically gave him credit for everything. No, not a single day wow. would go by where I wasn't giving him credit for something. Because also, I am grateful to him for giving me the freedom he gave me, and that that was kind of part of the implicit deal. People should understand yeah. what their implicit deals are with the people around them. And so, getting back to your initial point uh, about you know the pitfalls of entrepreneurship, there are merits and demerits to every place, right? right. So, like that's one of the demerits of a corporate structure where there's you know just it's a crowded structure, it's politicized, it's you know, you don't have seem to have as much choice, but you always have choice. And and success is probably capped a little tighter yeah. than from entrepreneurship. So entrepreneurship, you have many directions to go. So for instance, again, I talk about this first business. We were making websites for record labels, particularly like rap record labels. So we were exposed to the music industry in a very deep way. We were kind of like bringing the music industry online before it was online. Yeah. And so... When we were looking at our choices as a business, we were even thinking, hey, we know enough rappers now and enough, we know enough about the music business, we could set up our own record label. So we didn't do that, but that was an option we considered. And we we went, let's say, five out of 10 steps down that path to explore it. But as an entrepreneur, you can explore more directions. It, people always say, focus, focus, focus. No, you want to look at all of your opportunities. The very best businesses out yeah. there switched focus. Twitter, a great example. Not saying they're the best business, but they're they're obviously a good multi-billion-dollar business. They were originally a podcasting. Yeah, they business. were ahead of their time. A lot of its time. Yeah, and in, yeah. in mid oos they were setting up podcasting yeah. software. And just this guy in the corner, Jack Dorsey, is a programmer yeah. for them. Was making this little SMS, you know, messaging system. 
that they decided to make that the full business. And, and this is kind of an example too, of a classic example of like, nobody knows anything. Ev Williams offered all the investors when he decided to focus on the messaging thing, this Twitter yeah. app, uh, he offered all the investors their m full money back. Um, or they could ride the new into the new yeah. business at like a trivial valuation. Yeah. And now it's the company's whatever billions, a hundred percent of the investors took their money back. Wow. All the most professional wow. investors wow. in the Silicon Valley. And so, and then Ev funded Twitter himself. And that's why he's him wow. and Jack Dorsey and Viz wow. Stone are multi, multi, you know, 10 billionaires. Wow. And so, uh, uh that's a, a, a side thing, which yeah. is that, you know, nobody, there's, there, there's no such thing really as an expert because again, performance is bounded. Success has a luck factor as well, but you know, I, another way to put that, like that I thought about that was like a distinction too, because I, I think I've been, I've felt better in life, you know, when I really just focus on my actions rather than my outcomes, you know? And another way of putting it is I think, you know, I have expectancy, but I don't have specific expectations, you know? Like I have expectancy that good things are gonna happen, but I don't have specific expectations that this is gonna happen. You know, my my kind of happiness and well-being isn't tied on to a specific result, but just, you know, that there'll be positive results if I continue to work hard and follow a lot of the practices that that I've engendered that I lot you know, that I got from you. And I could tell you, you know, I do think the same way that other people are ignited by being around other people. I'll pay you a compliment for the first time, you know, <laughs> those of you out there. No, but I will that when you always have a lot of ideas, it's just great. Like and it's and it does work. It does work, you know, and for example, we have a terrific person making our merchandise, Delilah Garcia, who's great. And, you know, she's terrific. And like, she'll do a lot of things for us. And we say, oh, but then you can do this for other people. You know, and that's, I started to think the right, way you, start you to, think. You start to meta, everything you do, there's like a meta yeah. way to think about it, then a meta way to yeah. think about that. And, um, but, uh, so I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I think that that's, those are the people you want to be around. Like you want to be around people who want you to do well. You want to be around people who um, right, which know, who are secure enough and recognize what you were talking about bounds and I'm about like, it's limitless what we can do. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I just want to- We have a great team here and if they do well, I'm happy for them. If Nathan or Pam or Jay, you know, and I can name a ton of other people here, if they, you know, Matt or a lot of our other people or Shanley, if they do a great job, good. It's, I could do other things. Uh, yeah. I want to. I want to add a couple of things. One yeah. is that you, you know, you focus on focusing yeah. on your actions, not your yeah. goals. I always, I always say like focusing on themes and not yeah uh, uh, or system goals. Or, yeah, yeah a system rather than a goal. And there's kind of a uh, you could almost look at it mathematically. Like let's say you had a goal and you're halfway there. Uh, whatever, whatever it is, you're gonna. You're gonna. So let's say there's ten steps to getting your goal and you're on step five. You might learn something on step six. You, by definition, yeah. you don't know yeah. the information yet of what's going to happen on step six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. and ten. So you're going to learn things that might make you intelligently change the goal. So that's why fo focusing yeah. on process yeah. almost mathematically is more important than focusing on the goal. And and many people realize this in entrepreneurship yeah. that if we just focus on being around good people, which is extremely important, and that's part of the yeah. networking aspect too. Um, improving our skills, improving our ability to be persistent in the face of failure and and problems because there's nonstop problems whether you're an yeah. entrepreneur or an employee. Not necessarily having a goal. Oh, I've got to 
sell this product to this company or I've got yeah. to sell the company by this point or I've got to hit yeah. 15 million in sales by this year. But just always running a good business today or if you're an employee doing all the things you can do, the best you can do while expanding your opportunities and your education yeah. and so on, that's the only important important well, thing. Well, I like to say like, again, if you put a plant in a jar, it's going to take the shape of a jar. If you put in a room, maybe it takes the shape of the whole room and it blooms even more than you'd ever like it to bloom. But, you know, I think a lot of, you, you know, I think for the, I know this, trust me, if you if you spot it, you got it. And I think that we've learned from, you know, Ryan Holiday and Frank Shamrock who talk about the plus equal minus. You know, I like to mentor other people too. And I'll tell them, people who are stuck in a corporate environment and have a certain mindset. And I'll, and I'll be very... But they don't I'll, have to be. Like, they, they don't have be. to be, but I'll push them. And they're like, Steve, I'm miserable. You don't understand. I'm like, I... I kind of do know. Well, well, and again, yeah. if you're if you're an employee, a there's so many things you could gain being an employee. Yes, but you also you might not be an employee at the right place. Like I had to, if I wasn't, if I had taken that job at J.P. Morgan, that would not have been good for me. I would have been stuck yeah. forever being like an IT guy somewhere. I would I would have yeah. just gone crazy. Yeah, and and so money is not the key, particularly when you're young and don't have as many responsibilities. The key is being able to. Uh, uh, you know, set all set your environment up, yeah, so that you're 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 a yeah. plant in the room instead of a plant yeah. in the jar. And and I think you know, as I've gotten older, you know, I'm less inclined to say things as good or bad. You know, you just kind of say it's not for me. You know, when I was at certain places, yeah, some people might like that. You know, oh, like okay, it's five o'clock, I'm done, and they looked at it like they were a factory worker employee. I. Was I didn't have that mindset. I was a neurotic person. I always felt consumed by it. I, you know, whether or not I was an employee or a boss, that's just how I was wired. And you know, something I think I try and work on, you know, to, to do. But other people like it. You know, other people have balance, and they're like, or perceived balance, or other people might have kids or family. You know, and they were able to not have to be a perfectionist about it, and not have to, you know, not feel like they were committing malpractice if they weren't always working and doing things and that's not again, for me but it's 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 that's but again there's know. perception also which is that yeah. um they don't have to say okay well now i have kids i can only yeah you know i could i can't work as hard yeah. as everyone yeah. else doesn't mean work more hours you know working smarter is better than working harder yeah. oh sure um and, and i had a problem with a lot of people it wasn't so much what they did outside of it but when they were there i found that they're chatting with other people or you know and i would remember thinking like hey these people are paying you whether or not you like it whether you think you deserve more money or not you know and i recall feeling like i never liked somebody that much at work that i'd be like chatty patty with them all day or her and, and i i or I, devalued it there's a job and i took it very i took it as a privilege and a responsibility i you know? I, I write about this in the rich yeah. employee which is that uh and i'm curious what listeners think about this statistic but my gut told me based on working, you know, back in the day and talking to other people, my gut tells me in an eight hour work day, people actually work, work about two hours of that eight. Because if that, yeah, if that, because there's meetings that are useless. Yeah. There's cigarette breaks that people would take. Yeah. There's lunch breaks that would be like one to two hours. And then there's, should we have Chinese? Should we have Thai? We had that yesterday. And people would, too much cumin in my salad. Yeah. People would leave earlier than they would leave in an yeah. uh, yeah. entrepreneurial environment. So even as an employee, again, if you just work a half hour more than everyone, yeah. uh, you, you, you've, just, you, you, you've just added like 
25% we, of your productivity. But we had an author here, you know, and 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 I remember she came by herself and I felt like publicist with her should have come there and you said, Steve, well, they're busy. They have this. And I said, well, if she were Jennifer Lopez, wouldn't they be with her? And I do think, and in their minds, I feel like some of these people you know, probably thinking, well, I'm really busy. And, you know, again, the cynic knows the cost of everything, the value of nothing. Had they come with her, you know, they would have met us and they would have got other great people on this great podcast, which, again, I have a friend, uh, Michael Rockin, who said that perhaps in the vein of HBO, we shouldn't call this a podcast. We should call it an audio experience, which yeah, perhaps we should. Uh, I like that. Yeah, Michael Rockin, uh, good fella. Full um, credit goes to him. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, unlike Eric Kessler, I'm not going to take credit for uh, it. <laughs> Your idea. No, Eric Kessler <laughs> came up with it's not TV, it's HBO. Um, but uh, uh, so I just, I just, our just, audio experience. Just to summarize this, there's a lot of, of yeah. takeaways. One is I'm not trashing entrepreneurship. I'm just, I'm actually, um, I'm actually saying go for it, but just don't have rose colored glasses. Like there's, there's a lot of hard things about being an entrepreneur, but the payoff is. You know, it's more likely that your success is unbounded and entrepreneurial. The more yeah. entrepreneurial your environment is, the more. I'm not saying be an employee versus be an entrepreneur. I'm saying the more entrepreneurial your environment is, the more unbounded your success is. Now, that could be at a corporation, or it could be that at your own company, yeah. or it could be working for yourself. The other thing I'm saying is, is that you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You can also be a very successful as an employee. Yeah. We've had many people on this podcast yeah. too who rose up the ranks as an employee. Michael Ovitz was an, is an yeah. example. Well, uh, then he, but he effectively started his own company, like at CAA. So yeah, he, yeah. Okay, so that was Beth a, he was an entrepreneur. Was incredibly yeah, Beth Comstock is a great example yeah. where she was vice chair of GE and, yeah. and and hit crashed through many glass ceilings and and was a great success. There is a great success. Um, so so people sometimes say, oh, I've got a. I've got to be an entrepreneur because then I'm going to have freedom. It's like you said earlier. You, you, no matter where you move, you're, you're taking yeah. your, yourself Wherever with you. Go, you take yourself with you. And, and, and yeah, and, sorry. And so, and so, when you go from an employee to entrepreneur, you still have to have a. Uh, you have, it's not like you're going to go from an employee mindset to an entrepreneur mindset. You should have the entrepreneur mindset or the freedom mindset while you're an employee. That's how you'll be successful enough to make the leap to entrepreneurship. Yeah. Well, I think. You know, a few things. Like, I think in Paradise Lost, they talked about how you can make a hell out of heaven and a heaven out of hell. But I think, like, you have to know thyself. Like, you have to know who you are. And some people don't like to take risks. And, you know, I, you know, my dad was a physician and he was very successful at it. But he saw himself as a piecemeal worker. He knew he had to do colonoscopies. He was a gastroenterologist. And he was terrific at it. He was great with his patients. He was a caregiver. You know, but he didn't see, he saw himself, that was the way he envisioned himself. He didn't see himself as this exalted intellect who did, he felt like, and I remember he resented people I've had in my career, like who looked at what they did as an annuity. He looked at himself as a worker. You know, he had to see these patients every day. If he didn't work, he didn't get paid. And and, and I just have to say about yeah. your dad because I've yeah. spoken to him when, when uh, I, I was helping someone with a medical situation. Your dad, who's retired, yeah. is just a really knowledgeable, wise person about medicine because of all those years he dedicated to, to helping he, people. He loved it. I mean, he loved doing what he was doing. So again, he knew himself. He knew from a very young age that was what he wanted to do. He had a 
care for people. He was different from a lot of people. I mean, there's distinctions among everybody in every profession. Like he, you know, he definitely liked it. And you know, like I've said before, successful people focus on the flowers, not the weeds. It, you know, it's you could look at the same way entrepreneurship. You can look at medicine and be like, "Geez, there's a lot of paperwork. You have, you have disloyal patients. You got insurance people over there. You got nurses. You got deal. You know, and that's I imagine life, obviously, you know, in any situation. But if you enjoy it enough, we had you know a bunch of Navy SEALs here. You know, we had Brandon Webb, we had Jocko Willink, and they had to endure. David Goggins. And right, they were like the ultimate employees. They had to yeah. follow every command from their yeah. commanding officer. And now they're all entrepreneurs yeah. and living an entrepreneurial lifestyle. But they because, had to go through a lot of pain to get where right. they wanted to go. As did you, as as did I, you know. So so, so I think there's a, a lot to unpack from the past hour, but I'll point out a couple of things. One is we did this entire podcast <laughs> based off of you asking me what my 10 ideas of the day were. <laughs> That shows you the value of coming up with 10 ideas and really yeah. thinking about them and having them be a little different than just the the, the average mundane cliches. Yeah. And then there's a lot of stuff about what is the meaning of success, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee. What's the meaning of what's the meaning of good performance? What are, what other factors other than performance contribute to success, whether it's financial or happiness or whatever? Um, so I, I would love it if somebody uh took the top 10 things they got from this podcast and uh sent it to me or tweeted it to me um and i'm sure we answered a bunch of questions that were in well, the let Q &A. me let me make it easy for you out there one of the top 10 things is that james doesn't walk a lot so um <laughs> he walks only 500 feet a day <laughs> exactly i need to walk more exactly that's we unpack yeah, that the christopher columbus statue in, in columbus circle walked more last month <laughs> I don't even need to it's, go to Google Maps to look at it. I'm gonna add that to my to my bit on this on this topic. Uh, and come see James at Stand Up New York. And and yeah. and let's. Uh, we still have all the questions from the Q and A. Yeah. We answered some of them. I could see, but uh, uh, anyway, and the, this one we can call entrepreneur versus employee. Uh, they they're both great and they both suck. Here's how to make the best of both. And then let's uh, let's do another one. So yeah. thanks thanks for joining me, Steve. On Thank this you podcast. so much for having me. I, and I will say for you listeners out there and um who taking part in our audio experience, I initially I said I was gonna be like Penn and Teller, where I wasn't gonna say that much, and then I defied those expectations by myself. I know often <laughs> I would have something I was thinking of saying and you would keep talking and then mouth, I forgot what mouth. I was gonna say. No, it's yeah. okay. You're, you're stuff. One of my friends valuable. said um one of my friends said, you know, one time I didn't talk to Steve for a month and I didn't want to interrupt him. So <laughs> I know I'm motor mouth, sorry. <laughs> I gotta I gotta write that one down. <laughs> So. All right. Thanks very much, Jay. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.